0: This is The Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.
1: Live from the auction Community Studio for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Cody, how was your weekend and Thanksgiving, even though I saw you yesterday, so this is uh, being fabricated for the purposes of radio? Well, on Thursday,
2: it was good. Thanksgiving Day, and Friday was good, and Saturday was good, and then Sunday was bad for some reason.
1: (laughs) I can't imagine why. The Cardinals giving us nothing to be thankful for yesterday. You know... We're obviously going to get into this game quite a bit, and we've got Eagles-Seahawks going on tonight here in a few moments. We'll keep you posted on that and everything going on around the NFL because it is after a just chaotic weekend. The week obviously isn't over yet because there's still a Raven-Steelers game. to be. We'll get into all that. But driving over here, like you and I do the show, the post-game show after the Cardinals game. So we had like our initial heat-of-the-moment reaction yesterday. And you were here all day, so I'm sure you had that developing over the course of the day as you were watching that unfold from the control room. The thing that really hit me driving over here was the Cardinals beat the Bills on one of the most exciting, electrifying ends of a game I have ever seen. One of the best finishes, one of the most improbable finishes in the last, I don't know, maybe ever, honestly. I mean, it's, it's a Hail Mary. To beat a good football team. And they have taken zero momentum from that. Like I remember doing the show after that game thinking, yeah, this is big. Because not only did you just beat Buffalo, but this could be like a turning point for your season. This could be a launching pad towards the second half of the year. And instead they went out and lost to Seattle and New England. And the Seattle game was more acceptable to me, even though it's probably more painful because it's the Seahawks. But Seattle's a good team. Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. Cardinals took too many penalties. When you make mistakes like that against a team like Seattle with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, you're going to lose. They had a chance to win or at least, you know, tie it late, and they lost. Okay. That's frustrating. But you can write that one off and at least say, okay, fine. You, You split with Seattle. You're still in a good spot going forward. You've got a long week now to prepare for the Patriots. Just, you know, go out there win that game and start this this uh, this final stretch here on the right foot. No, they got there and lose to New England. Yesterday's game, not acceptable on any level. Sarah Cazell's updates really have encapsulated it when she called it cringeworthy because that's what it was. I can't even like watch the highlights. I was watching primetime to catch up on the highlights of all the other games yesterday after all the Cardinals stuff. I can't even watch the Cardinals. You just lost to a team that Yes, they're coached by Bill Belichick. And yes, it was in New England. And yes, you could make the case the Patriots were a wounded animal backed into a corner, and they knew if they lost, their season was over. Yeah, that's all fine and true, but New England didn't do anything special. You lost to a quarterback that threw for... How, how many yards Cam Newton throw for? 80-something <sighs> yeah. yards? And Less than 100. Throw. Like, you knew he couldn't throw at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it was... You know, I, I've I've heard all these different... Reactions to it. We took calls on the post-game show last night, obviously. I mean, I have my own personal reactions. And and they really haven't changed much since yesterday. So we're going to get into those. But I think Bear just said it right there. Cam Newton was 9 of 18 for 84 yards and two interceptions. And you knew that he wasn't going to be able to throw to beat you really after, like, the first quarter. But certainly at the end of the game, I mean, there's... (laughs) Not only do the Cardinals mismanage the clock and then miss a field goal, you still feel like, okay, well, yeah, that's frustrating. But New England's not moving the ball. So you're just going to end up going to overtime. And then there's a really, I think, shaky penalty call on Isaiah Simmons and the Patriots get in position to kick a 50-yarder, which is not supposed to be a gimme, but it is against the Cardinals this season. Every opposing kicker makes every kick from 50 yards or more just a not even like frustrating doesn't begin to do it justice it's just like an empty feeling by the end of this game
2: and and the cardinals had their chances they were bailed out on multiple occasions that yeah that return that punt return that should have been a touchdown where new england got called for a blindside hit or whatever it was that was just a good football hit yeah and that he was sh- gone anyway yeah and that shouldn't have been a penalty and then there was a uh uh, another play where they're the Cardinals are down at the goal line and it was I believe it was third and goal or fourth down or something like that, and the New England Patriots get called for a penalty in the end zone, and gives the Cardinals a new set of downs where they can try and score a touchdown. That, that
1: last the last scoring drive for the Cardinals felt like it, it felt like they were inside the ten for like an hour and a half yeah. before they finally punched it in. Like they're like, gonna have to figure out a way to score in short yardage situations. Like great teams
2: capitalize on that stuff yeah and they
1: just haven't been able to recently it's you know there's there's all these different things and we're going to get into them but I I, I just keep coming now back to the point of you beat the Buffalo Bills a couple weeks ago that made you six and three but not just that like yeah six and three okay so what you've got got seven games left at that point if you go three and four from that point on you're in nine and seven is going to get you in this year but more than that, you just won on the play that everybody's talking about, not just that week, not just in Arizona, but across the NFL all season. They're still re- replaying that and showing it in, in every sort of like commercial for the NFL or any sort of anything that is hyping up the excitement around the league this season. It's that Kyler Murray rolling left, right-handed throw into the end zone, 40, what was it, 43 yards? I mean, he threw it longer than that. To DeAndre Hopkins for the touchdown, the Hale Murray... And you do nothing with the momentum after that. Like, I, I'm i not so much in the school of thought if people are looking today and saying, well, if it's not for a Hail Mary, they'd be 0-4 in their last four games. Like, yeah, okay, that is true. But they completed the Hail Mary. So that's... <laughs> the they whole, made the play. Yeah. That they, they won the game. Exactly. Like, the whole point of, of doing that is so we don't have to talk about them losing to Buffalo. But how do you come out and lose the next two games after that? That should have been like, oh, we can do anything. Instead, it's like we can't do anything on offense. They jump out to a 10-0 lead yesterday, finally, and then did nothing the rest of the game on offense other than that one scoring drive in the fourth quarter, which, as you just pointed out, Bear took them forever to get into the end zone. And there's stuff to be concerned about here. They got some help around the NFL, and we'll get into that in just a second. But at a certain point, somebody's going to catch you from behind if you don't start winning football games. Let's get into the rapid reaction.
0: The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories.
1: Okay, we'll start with a division rival of the Cardinals, the San Francisco 49ers, who are now basically like the State Farm Stadium 49ers because they're going to be playing in State Farm Stadium. There's not really there's no overlap here. This ended up working out pretty well. And I don't know if this in the back of the NFL's mind, I know there was all those things at the start of the season where they were like they were kind of pairing up teams within divisions where if one couldn't play at home, they would have some options. I think I don't think that this was intentional, but it did work out in such a way where San Francisco is going to play Buffalo next Monday. That's going to be at State Farm Stadium. Now, obviously, the Cardinals will be playing uh, on Sunday against the Rams, so there's no overlap. And then the following week, the Cardinals are going to be in New York to, to face the Giants, so... At State Farm Stadium, San Francisco will be quote hosting the Washington football team. Then they go on the road for two games. After that, although one of them one of them is is here against the Cardinals. But uh, yeah, there's there Santa Clara, the, the city of Santa Clara, banning contact sports for three weeks, which is obviously an issue for a football team that plays there. And San Francisco, by the way, you want to get more frustrated about the Cardinals. The 49ers are only a game back. That, to me, is almost secondary. The 49ers are playing without all of their players and still finding ways to grind out these games, and their kicker makes his kicks at the end of games. He did it twice yesterday against the Rams. I know it's Robbie Golden. He's been kicking since the early 1920s, but still, you watch what San Francisco's doing with basically nothing, like a shell of their team, and they're only a game behind the Cardinals. That's irritating and also kind of concerning because San Francisco... Could pass the Cardinals if something doesn't change here quickly. Uh, Over in the AFC, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Stop me if you've heard this before, but that game is being moved again. It is now being played on Wednesday at like 3 in the afternoon. It's obviously going to impact next week's games too. So Dallas-Baltimore next week, like week 13, they're going to play on Tuesday. Pittsburgh will be playing Washington next week on Monday night. That is assuming that Pittsburgh and Baltimore are able to play on Wednesday, which would now be six days later than it was originally scheduled. That game was supposed to be on Thanksgiving night. It got pushed to Sunday. It got pushed to... Did they ever even pretend it was going to be played on Monday? I think they did, right? No, they just went straight to Tuesday? I can't remember. No, I think originally it was supposed to be on Monday. Okay. And then Tuesday and now Wednesday. I mean, Baltimore was having travel issues today um, (laughs) on top of the fact that like half their team, that last I heard was over 20 players. I think it was 22 players were dealing with positive tests at some points over these past few days. So that game is apparently going to be played on Wednesday, but at this point, I will believe it when I see it. And that leads us into our final story here of the uh, rundown rapid reaction. Despite the fact that Baltimore had their game moved almost a full week now. Denver yesterday was given like, I don't know, what, 15 hours warning that um, Saturday afternoon slash evening. Yeah, you guys, none of your quarterbacks are eligible to play, but you still have to play tomorrow and you can't sign a quarterback because of COVID protocols. So just, you know, go find a receiver on your practice squad and have him play quarterback in an NFL game, which he did, kind of. Kendall Hinton, one of nine for 13 yards and two interceptions. They're really not that much worse than Cam Newton yesterday, except Kendall Hinton's team did not win or score a touchdown. So Denver, look, Denver got hammered by New Orleans. Denver was probably going to lose to New Orleans anyway. I get that. But now they're four and seven. Their season, I would say, is pretty much officially done because especially like New England was a team they were tied with. New England obviously won yesterday. So that's a bitter pill for Broncos fans who are typically a pretty loud bunch to, uh, to swallow because that game didn't get pushed back at all. They had to play literally without a quarterback in an NFL game against a New Orleans team that might win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, they're not going to. Kansas City's going to. But still, they're a really good football team. And the Baltimore game just got pushed back again. So there you go. That's the rapid reaction after crazy doesn't even do it justice. Just an absolutely insane, chaotic NFL weekends, And it's not over. But uh, the rest of the NFL is not our problem. The Arizona Cardinals are becoming a problem. After all this, are they just an average team? We'll get into that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Down 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here with you. Hopefully everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I know the Cardinals game. Let's just set that aside for a second. Hopefully everybody had a great weekend. Other than that, now I'm sorry, but back to the Cardinals game. Oh, this team. Frustrating because we know they're better than this. Right, that's the thing. I mean, I guess on, on on some sick, twisted level, it's good that they are good enough that it hurts this much when they lose. I mean, is that even a silver lining? I don't. I don't think it is. Just a, a such an annoying game. That yesterday's game was the first game this season. Really, the first game, probably since 2016, I would say, where the where they lost, it was over. And I, like, felt sick to my stomach. Like, it was just this empty feeling of, like, people are not going to be happy. And probably shouldn't be. I mean, I'm trying to think when the last time a Cardinals game really elicited that reaction from me. I, I, I wouldn't say it's been this season. I don't like them losing. But I wouldn't say it's been this season. Last season was, you know, not a throwaway season. But you knew you knew going in... That there was going to be a process there, and it was you you were you were starting a rebuild over for the second straight year. So there wasn't any loss last season where I was like, oh, that that's just that one hurts. You're still thinking about it. The
2: first one that comes to mind is not even a loss. It was the tie against the Seahawks.
1: I feel like everyone was just like, oh, yeah, (laughs) a tie. Like so much just can like not confusion as to what happened, but like. Confused How? And emotionally, yeah. How do I feel? We didn't win, but we didn't lose, but it was stupid. So that was October twenty three, October twenty third of two thousand sixteen. So that's the most recent one you can think of. That's the first one that came to mind. The first one that I can think of before yesterday that they lost, the game ended, and I was like, "This is this is bad. Like something's not right." Was when they played New England to start the twenty sixteen season, yes. and it was Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes. Ah. <sighs> I, I And as it turns out, that, that 2016 Patriots team was not bad. But I don't think we're going to suddenly find out, like, oh, you know what? The 2020 Patriots are a good team. They are not. And if you watch that game, you knew they couldn't move the ball. Yeah, at, at that 2016 game, too.
2: That was the first game in the, uh, all or, after all yeah. or nothing, right? So yeah. we were all hyped up for the Cardinals. And then the w- Super Bowl, they, Super Bowl <laughs> ring.
1: And they went out and hammered Tampa the next week. So you're like, okay, they're fine. and And they were not fine, obviously. But uh, but no, the one the one yesterday, it just so many things. But I said this going into the game a couple times, that they need to win that game. But my bigger concern was going to be, bigger than just one game, was going to be if we came out of it and, and weren't sure Kyler Murray was 100%. And we really got the worst of both worlds, because they lost to the Patriots in a game they had multiple chances to win. And I'm still not sure Kyler Murray is 100%. Now, he was asked after the game, and now every press conference, every press conference after a loss, I'm like, wow. Remember how upset he was after the Miami game? And we were all like, I can't believe Kyler Murray didn't give us long answers after they lost to Miami. They had won three in a row before that. They've lost three of their last four, counting that Miami game. And and I would say the Patriots' loss yesterday was much worse than losing to Miami. He was asked yesterday... Essentially, does he have to run the ball for Arizona to be successful? And this is what he said. I, I feel like,
3: I, I mean, I, I don't think I have to run for us to be successful. I don't, I mean, I have very, I mean I'm very confident on running backs, uh, you know. Uh, it just, it is what it is. They, they choose to, you know, take me out of it. I got to hand the ball off. I have no, I can't control the ball after that. I got to hand the ball off. Yeah, actually I should
1: be clear there. He was not asked that specifically. I don't, I don't have the question here, but I remember listening to it live. It was essentially he was getting asked a lot of questions about why he wasn't running as much. That was that was it. He he was not asked point blank, "Do you have to run for this team to win?" The question there really at the end of that bite where he says, "Yeah, they took me out of it, is who was they? Was it the Patriots? Cuz it kind of felt like it was the Cardinals who said, "Yeah, we're not we're not no, we're not doing this. We're not going to run with Kyler Murray." And as much as Kyler Murray knows a lot more about Kyler Murray than any of us do, and as much as he knows about more about the Cardinals than any of us do, I kind of disagree. Like, he shouldn't need to run for them to beat a very average Patriots team that can't score. I would agree with him there. But at least going into the game yesterday, I was still approaching this season as the Cardinals, I mean, the NFC is pretty wide open. There's some good teams, but going into the game yesterday, did you really think the Cardinals were incapable of making the playoffs and winning a couple playoff games? Not, not, not that you were going to pick them to do it necessarily, but going into the game yesterday, if I told you, yeah, the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, they are going to be the sixth seed, they're going to play uh, Green Bay, let's say, in the first round. Would you have been like, well, they have no chance against Green Bay, but then obviously what happened yesterday, and you saw how Green Bay did to Chicago, now you don't feel so good about it. I, I just... I was approaching that game yesterday as this team still doesn't really have a ceiling necessarily. And so if you're looking at it through that lens and saying, how deep can this Cardinals team go? Like, can they make the playoffs? I would say winning the division, depending what Seattle does tonight, is starting to slip away. But can you make the playoffs and then win a game and then maybe win a second game? Because nobody in the NFC other than New Orleans really looks unbeatable. If that's the case... No, they need Kyler Murray to run at that point, at least to be a threat to run. He doesn't need to do anything, in my mind, more than what he did the first nine weeks of the season. And it's not like I think Kyler Murray suddenly doesn't know how to run. So again, this is why I'm concerned. If this is the lingering effects of that injury he suffered against Seattle. That's worrisome. That's more than just one game. It's not like somebody can say, well, yeah, okay, you're going to lose the New England game, but then Kyler will definitely be fine for the rest of the season. That's not how it works. I would I, Honestly, I probably would have traded a loss yesterday if you told me we get Kyler Murray at 100% like we saw weeks one through nine, or even 10, first nine games before he got injured in the Seahawks game. I, I hear what he's saying if he's, like, if he's sitting there saying, no, it's, I, I'm a good enough quarterback where I can throw and we'll win games. Yeah, that's that's true. But you're not going to win playoff games with the way the rest of this team is constructed. I I
2: feel like they when they really hit their strive, stride offensively was when Kyler was running more yeah. and making those plays. And I I heard on Burns and Gamble driving in Burnsy made some kind of food analogy with it and, and it made me think this offense without Kyler Murray running is like having Thanksgiving dinner without your favorite yeah. side. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, a great way
1: to put it. It is. It's, it's like having it's like having spaghetti without sauce. Yes. Like you can eat it, I guess. But you're spaghetti right. Spaghetti without meatballs. Ugh. Why? What's even the point? What are you doing? But that that's the thing. And we saw it really... We saw it flashes of it last year, but we really didn't see it at, at its full potential... Until week one against the 49ers, because if you remember, the Cardinals could not move the ball against the 49ers. Other than DeAndre Hopkins, they really couldn't get anything going. And so in the second half, Kyler, just every time he didn't have anybody open, he would just run for 15 yards. And you you saw them beat the 49ers, who were pretty much at full strength then. And you're like, wait a minute. This is a weapon that other teams don't have. Otherwise, what makes this team special? Who do you look at on the Cardinals and you're like, ah, you know, other teams don't have a guy like him? Because to me, it's DeAndre Hopkins, Buda Baker, and Kyler Murray. That's not to say every other player on the team isn't worth anything, but I'm just saying who, who potentially makes your team stand out from the other teams? If you're telling me, yeah, Kyler can't run, but they should still be able to win seven or eight games. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I agree. They will. But if, it's, if you if you want to, if you're going to sit there and say, well, okay, but even if Kyler can't run, if he only can get you 15 yards on the ground and we're not going to run design runs for him or whatever, you know, they'll still be a threat to go to the Super Bowl. No, they won't. How many times did we see them in short yardage situations yesterday? Instead of just running a play with Kyler Murray, I'm not saying it's going to work every time, and I'm not saying you run it every time because you don't want to be stupid and get your quarterback hurt. But when the game is on the line with two minutes left and you need a first down, yeah, that'd be a nice... To at least have it as a threat. How many times do we see them just turn around and hand off to Kenyon Drake up the middle? More than I ever need to see again. Not that's not even a knock on Kenyon Drake, but clearly New England knew what was coming. We all knew what was coming. What if Kyler Murray had five rushes yesterday for 31 yards? <sighs> off the top of my head, I don't remember any of them looking like designed runs, maybe one.
2: There was one that I remember, it might have even been on the very first Cardinals offensive, no, the first offensive drive started at like the 15 of New England, but their first like long drive, Yeah, he had this run where it looked like it was well blocked, and he ran, and if he had just made this one cut, he would have gained at least five or six yards, but he instead he went to the sideline and ran out of bounds for a loss of like half a yard or so, and that's what made me think, uh uh-oh. Is he 100%? Well, is he he might be 100% healthy but is it 100% mentally prepared to take another hit?
1: I I mean we don't know, but I just we, we we did know we knew by halftime of the Seahawks game something wasn't right there and then Cliff Kingsbury basically said last week, "Hey, you know, yeah, we we, we did. We we kind of pulled back on the on the running game with Kyler because we wanted to see what the injury was and everything." And I'm not I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying now going forward, that was the Seattle game. You come into the the Patriots game and it, it looks like either he is a little hesitant to run. And I almost don't even think that's it. I feel like they're telling him like, nah, we have running backs for a reason. They can run. You just focus on passing. We want to preserve you for the rest of the season. And if that's the logic, it's not necessarily, quote, wrong. But it's concerning because if he is that hurt where you feel like that's how you have to run your offense or if you're being too careful with him, I just don't know how far you're going to go this season. So, I mean, I want to be clear. I'm, I'm not saying like every time, OK, it's 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 second and one. Well, we got to run with Kyler. That's the only like I said this yesterday. It's not a video game. You can't run with him on every play. But why can't we do Now, what we were doing the first nine games of the season. If we really badly need two yards to win a game as they did yesterday, why isn't it an option? It doesn't feel like it's an option right now. And it definitely did the first half of the season. And Kenyon Drake is fine, but Kenyon Drake is not Derrick Henry. It's not like, oh, we'll just give it to our running back and he'll get the first down. No, apparently not. So I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, you know, you go out there and play the Rams next week and Kyler Murray has 75 yards rushing and you feel a lot better about this. It, to me, it's not even the numbers. I know he went over 30 yards yesterday and prior to, to yesterday, they were 1-8-1 and when he ran for less than 30 yards and they pretty much win all the time when he runs for more than that. It, it's not that. It's just if you watch the game, you never thought like, oh, he's going to take off. There was no fear factor. And I know it's Bill Belichick and the Patriots tend to take away the the best thing that you do and they make you beat them in different ways. And if it was that, I'm surprised they were able to take that element of the Cardinals away, but more power to them, and then we'll just move on. But my, my worry is that the Cardinals are taking it away from themselves and saying, ah, oh, we can't have Kyler running this much. You're not going to win games. That's, that's absolutely the number one thing that makes you a special team, is your quarterback's ability to not only throw, but take off and not be caught. All right, we come back. We'll get into the other issue yesterday. The kicking game. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not really the most enjoyable thing to talk about because you don't typically talk about your kicker when you're winning games, but it's an issue right now. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The Rundown with Luke Lipinski. I've always heard you have every guy in it 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. <laughs>
1: There was a lot of frustrating moments in that Cardinals 20 to 17 loss to the Patriots yesterday. I, I think frustrating is a better way to put it than disappointing. Cause like disappointing is like, Oh, well, I was hoping we'd win and we lost. We'll get them next week. That's not the reaction that I felt or that I've heard anybody else feel. It was more like, um, what just happened? And I would say the most disappointing, <laughs> there was a few in the final four and a half minutes, but if you, if you think to to how that game ended you finally get that touchdown the one that was 16 plays 80 yards and like that's that's good to put together a drive that's that long and okay it's 7 minutes 19 seconds we're in the fourth quarter at 17-17 Cardinals finally score for the first time since the first quarter of the game but the end of that drive was as you said earlier Bear like you it looked like that drive was over a few times and then They would get a penalty on New England or whatever and kind of extend it. And I'm looking at it right now. They were at the 18 and they ran four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 plays from the 18. That's not normal. But they scored. So it's 17-17. Patriots get the ball. and, And at that point, don't you feel like, I've seen the Patriots this season. They can't move the football because Cam Newton can't throw anymore for some reason. Even if you didn't watch the Patriots much this season... You've seen the first three and a half quarters of this game. You're like, the Patriots can't throw. Belichick knows that. And I mean, as long as you slow down, what, James White and Damian Harris, who they did slow down Damian Harris, the defense, that's is maybe the most infuriating thing. The defense played more than, than a good enough game to win yesterday. Your team's built to win with its offense. Your defense holds the other team to 20 points and you can't score 21. But so the Patriots get the ball. Cam Newton promptly throws an interception right to Drake Kirkpatrick, and you're like, okay, four and a half minutes left, starting at New England's 47, this is pretty simple. Nice sustained drive here, kill a lot of clock, get, I don't know, 30 yards, you should win this game. I mean, (laughs) maybe that wouldn't have been enough. Instead, they do very little. They get it to a first and 10 at New England's 36, and they proceed to run, run, and run not get the first down, none of those runs with Kyler Murray, who, again, is your best weapon in a situation like that, and the ball was essentially taken out of his hand on the biggest three downs of the game, and then Zane misses a field goal. Zane's missed a lot of big field goals now this season, and that, that's, the, that's the reality of the situation, is if you want to be a good team and you want to be a playoff team and you're not the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to play a lot of close games. And I think most Cardinals fans had the same thought. Zane lines up to kick a 45-yarder with a minute 47 left. I, what was your confidence level on a scale of 1 to 10? Maybe 4? 5? If you had to bet money that Zane Gonzalez was either going to make or miss the kick, I mean, even guys, even people that aren't, like, constant pessimists, I think in the back of the mind we're like, it's probably like 50-50. And then the flip side is the Patriots come the other way. They get in field goal range on a penalty against Isaiah Simmons because, again, Cam Newton can't throw the ball right now. So it takes a 15-yard penalty that was a shaky call at that. And Nick Folk's lining up for a 50-yarder, which, simple math, five yards longer than Zane's kick. Did anybody doubt that kick was going in? I didn't. I don't think most people did. Every kicker makes all their 50-plus yarders against the Cardinals this season. We saw Buffalo's kicker. We saw Tyler Bass make three 50-plus yarders in one quarter against the Cardinals. We saw Jason Sanders hit a bunch of 50-yarders against the Cardinals in the Dolphins game. And yeah, Nick Folk steps up and just buries a 50-yarder, and that's it. Jay Feely on with Duggan Wolf today was asked if it's time to move on from Zane.
3: Hopefully it's not now. Um, You know, I still think Zane has a tremendous amount of ability. Uh, I think he has more ability and his best kicks are better than anything I ever hit. Uh, You know, you go back and you say, okay, what was he last year? He was 89% last year. That's an unbelievable year. Uh, You know, and I know he's struggled, you know, especially in some big moments here this year. And and I just, I would just caution, you know, you, you, you have to make those kicks. He knows he has to make those kicks, Um, you know, but you can't, who are you going to replace him with? Who are you going to go get? Do you think that there's somebody that you can step out and bring in right now that's going to fix that position? No, you'd be out. You'd be going and getting somebody who's young and inexperienced, going into critical games where you have to you have to make kicks. And and I think a guy who's been there, who's done it, who's failed, has come back an opportunity to make those kicks, than somebody who is a, is a big uncertainty, a young guy who hasn't done it before.
1: This is why kickers that make kicks, like I mentioned Robbie Gold earlier, he's been kicking on. He was, I think he was the Bears kicker in that Monday night game, in the, the Bears are who we thought they were game. I'm pretty sure Robbie Gold was the Bears kicker in that game, and he wasn't like, it wasn't his first game. And yeah, he's still kicking and making kicks now. That's because when kickers can make their kicks, they stay in the NFL for 25 years Because as frustrated as everybody is with Zane Gonzalez, and I'm not sitting here making the argument that he deserves to get to keep being the Cardinals kicker. I'm I'm not. At a certain point, you have to make your kicks in these games or your team's not going to go anywhere. But what Jay Feely just said is unfortunately very true. It's not like the Cardinals are trying to decide of, well, we don't want to hurt Zane's feelings, but you know if we do if we if we muster up the strength to do that there's this guy out there that's not on a team and he makes 100% of his kicks so it's just an emotional thing like no you may go away from Zane and bring in another guy that's worse there's just there's no guarantee it's it, that you suddenly are going to have somebody that's better because anybody that's out there wasn't good enough for another team and what Jacksonville's used like eight kickers this year there's not <laughs> for some reason there is a shortage of good NFL quality kickers and I, I, I mean, you're going to have to do something, but unfortunately the only thing that really works is, is if that something is Zane just starts making his kicks. That's the only real option here where things get better.
4: All
1: right, Really quickly here, I just want to at least update where the uh, the Cardinals are now in the standings because they did get a lot of help, actually, yesterday. Uh, courtesy of the Bears losing their fifth straight and just getting embarrassed by the Packers on Sunday night football. So it doesn't really seem like the Bears are going to be that much of a threat just based on the eye test. I mean, the Bears are 5-6. and six, They were 5-1. and one, And and I don't know. That team is a mess. But Minnesota's 5-6. and six, San Francisco's 5-6. and six, And yes, it's really just a lot of new players in the San Francisco uniforms. I get that. But it's the same coach. It's there's some of the same players from last year that made it to the Super Bowl and were leading against Kansas City. So if you let them hang around and hang around and hang around, eventually San Francisco may just sneak in. So the Cardinals did get help in the sense that the Buccaneers lost, that the Rams lost to San Francisco. And right now Seattle's tied at zero. I don't know how Seattle didn't score. They were at like the three yard line, but either way, it's zero. zero. Five minutes left in the first quarter against Philadelphia. If the Cardinals had just won yesterday, they would be tied for the top wild card, which right now would be a matchup with the Giants, who don't have their quarterback going forward in Daniel Jones. Now, instead, we're not playing that game anymore. We're playing, hopefully Minnesota loses, hopefully Chicago loses, hopefully San Francisco loses. Like We're playing that sort of game until the Cardinals start winning again. But the good news from yesterday is that the Rams lost, and the Buccaneers lost, and you didn't really lose any ground trying to run down the top wild card in the NFC. The problem is the other direction, the teams behind you. It's just simple math. Somebody's got to win games. So if you're not winning, somebody's going to start to move up and catch you. And right now, that seems like it could be Minnesota. All right. We come back. We're going to hear from the coach, Cliff Kingsbury. He did his exclusive interview with Bickley and Murata this afternoon. We will uh, react to some of those thoughts next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona sports station.
0: It's the rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Seahawks-Eagles scoreless on Monday Night Football late in the first quarter. We were trying to figure out during the break what exactly happened to Carson Wentz. Like, is this still really Carson Wentz that's out there? Because he had two years... 2017 and 2018, where he was really good, and you remember the year they won the Super Bowl, which also is like, how did the Eagles ever win the Super Bowl, coached by Doug Peterson with Nick Foles against a decent Patriots team? But that year before Carson Wentz got hurt, he was it was he was on like the very short list of MVP candidates, and now he's it does not look like an NFL quarterback. Uh, but so we of course. They're trying to figure out what other quarterbacks were available in that draft. Because I remember Jared Goff went one, Carson Wentz went two. And the second you say anything like this to Bear, Bear just pulls this up This is my draft. favorite thing. <laughs> this is what you I do. I don't know
2: why. Uh, other than Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, who, like you said, went one and two. I do
1: remember Paxton
2: Lynch. Paxton Lynch went 26th to the uh, Denver Broncos. So that's terrible. Uh, let's see. In the next quarterback, Christian Hackenberg. Ugh. To the New York Jets in the second round. Jacoby Brissett uh, was a third round pick. Okay. Cody Kessler was a third round pick. Connor Cook was a fourth round pick. Let me see. This what is else? Terrible. Oh, Dak Prescott was in this draft in oh. the fourth oh, round. Oh, well, there you go.
1: There's there's your.
2: Cardale Jones! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Remember Cardale Jones? Kevin Hogan was a fifth this wow, is a terrible quarterback really, class. Really seriously. So oh my God. So I mean if
1: you had to rank them now, clearly Dak is the best. Yeah. Then Jared Goff, Goff, I guess. I guess.
2: Well, ja- I, hey, I, I kind of like Jacoby Brissett too. Okay. But I mean Jared Goff is starting but, for the Rams. Well, I know. But <laughs> Okay. I've, but yeah. I've never hated Jacoby Brissett. That's that's true. So okay, so those but three I, I think it goes Dak Goff and Wentz,
1: even though Wentz is terrible now. Yeah. Brandon Allen, Nate Sudfeld. I mean, not a great. Jeff Driscoll. Couldn't even get in there ahead of uh, Kendall Hinton yesterday.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the ak Community Studio. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. This really has turned into, like, Cardinals fan therapy over the last couple weeks. And as I said earlier, the most confusing part of all this is the Cardinals won a game on a Hail Mary and then no momentum off that at all. Nothing. Just a thrilling victory over the Buffalo Bills a few weeks ago. You go to 6-3. and three. You've got a game against Seattle on a short week, which I know is tough, but, you know, Seattle was playing on a short week, too. And again, you're coming off a game you won on a Hail Mary. And then the Patriots here yesterday, and just nothing. Just nothing, really, in either of those games. I mean, I thought the defense played really well yesterday, and we haven't even really talked about that. I thought the defense played really well uh, (laughs) until the Isaiah Simmons hit on Cam Newton late. Now, Isaiah Simmons had two penalties yesterday. He's playing a lot more. He's making a lot more plays. But he did have the hit on Cam Newton that ultimately, I think, is the only way New England was getting into field goal range, is if if the Cardinals took a penalty. And there was problems with that play because it was 3rd and 13. You knew Cam couldn't throw. The only way he was going to beat you is if he ran for the first down. He did. Then Simmons gets 15 yards tacked on. But if you watch the play, Cam Newton wasn't out of bounds. And the hit itself, for that to be a penalty, is pretty pretty. I don't know, to call that and basically decide the game. I'm surprised that they called it. This is Mike Pereira on with Doug and Wolf this morning. So, again, this is Mike Pereira. He knows what he's talking about with the officiating. This isn't just me saying,
4: no, that penalty hurt the Cardinals. It must be bad. This is Mike Pereira. I would have said it's not a good call. I mean, I you don't don't give me uh, some of the things that I have read it on social media that, you know, quarterback gets protection as he runs out of bounds. You give him the courtesy of not hitting him. Um, I get that in, in certainly many situations, but not when the game's on the line and the and the quarterback is trying to run for a first down and make sure he gets beyond the line to gain. Um, he's still in bounds. Um, it's not a illegal use of the helmet foul. To me, he doesn't lower the head to initiate contact, never gets in that linear position that they're looking for when they put this rule in. Um, I get it because it was such a big hit, and it and it looked violent, even though the NFL doesn't like to use that word. It's it, it, it was a tough hit, but it's not a foul. I just can't put that into
1: any category um, as being a foul. Aside from the fact that makes me more frustrated to hear that. There's did you hear him at the beginning when there's certain age. That people hit, and they say social media differently. Did you hear him? He's like, and social media. Like, it's the worst thing that ever happened at the start of that Stupid
2: clip. social media.
1: You people with your social media that are out there complaining about that play. You millennials. That's basically what he meant to say. Uh, but look, I mean, if, it, if that wasn't a penalty, then why was it called? Because it decided the game. Uh, and And to be fair, I mean, the Cardinals... I'm torn on this because I hate the argument of like, well, you know, you shouldn't have let it get to that point. Well, if it's a bad call, it's a bad call. Like, you shouldn't make a bad call. But in this case, I mean, the Cardinals had so many chances to put that game away. They were up 10 nothing early, and it looked like it was going to be like a 27-7 game. And then they just stopped doing anything offensively or at least stopped converting. I mean, they had that nice drive at the end of the first half and came away with nothing. haven't even had a chance to talk about that pleasant opportunity right there. But uh, yeah, the Isaiah Simmons hit on Cam Newton, like it's, it used to be so hard to get a roughing the passer or unnecessary roughness when you hit Cam Newton. He was the quarterback, like players would like land on him after he had thrown the ball 10 minutes earlier and nothing would get called. And then, you know, see Tom Brady, somebody like brushes the side of his ankle and they get thrown out. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it worked against the Cardinals yesterday, I guess. Sticking with the NFL, Baltimore and Pittsburgh are now going to play this game on Wednesday, apparently. It was supposed to be on Thanksgiving night. By the way, this is supposed to be a really good game. I mean, the 10-0 Steelers, they don't like the Ravens. The 6-4 Ravens, who are going to miss the playoffs if they don't start winning, they don't like the Steelers. This was the game a couple weeks ago. I think most people circled and said Pittsburgh has a chance now to go 16-0 But the team that is most likely to stand in their way is either Baltimore or Buffalo. Those are the two teams on their schedule that seem most likely to be able to snap that perfect season for the Steelers. Baltimore might snap it by just not being able to play. And so at best, Pittsburgh's going to go 15-0 because this game has been pushed back now almost an entire week. And there's no guarantee it gets played on Wednesday, but that is the goal uh, at this point. Also worth noting, Will Fuller had a huge game on Thanksgiving for the Texans. He is suspended the next six games for performance enhancers, so that means the rest of this season. And, I mean, the Texans aren't making the playoffs, so I guess game one of next season. He's not signed with Houston past this season, so there's no guarantee that he even serves this entire suspension with the Texans. But that's um, that was news that came out this afternoon around the NFL also today, find out the San Francisco 49ers are going to be playing their home games in Glendale for a little while. It's funny, I was driving in, I heard Gambo point this out, like, oh yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Santa Clara is kicking the 49ers out, so they're going to Maricopa County where the COVID cases are like double. But it's 2020, that's, uh, that's anything goes. It won't interfere with anything the Cardinals have going on because the Cardinals will play this upcoming Sunday at home at State Farm Stadium against the Rams. The 49ers game is actually scheduled for Monday night, so they'll play that at home, home being in quotes, at State Farm Stadium against Buffalo a week from tonight. Then the following week, the Cardinals are on the road against the Giants. The 49ers will be at home against the Washington football team, but again, home now with State Farm Stadium. And then after that, the 49ers are on the road against Dallas. Uh, The day after Christmas, this also came out over the last 24 hours, Cardinals on Saturday, December 26th, will be hosting San Francisco. So they'll play there at State Farm, and then the Cardinals wrap up the season on the road in L.A. I don't think both these teams are making the playoffs. The Cardinals still should, uh, if they somehow... Don't then maybe San Francisco does, but I don't think we have a problem where they're both supposed to host uh, playoff games. And maybe by then things are better in Santa Clara. Who knows? But uh, yeah, so now the Cardinals have one of their biggest rivals using their stadium, which you know you got to do that. Everybody pull together here to get through this football season. But uh, San Francisco is only a game back of the Cardinals right now. Somehow. Monday Night Football updates. I just. Did Seattle just score? I just looked they up. Did. Okay. Well, DJ
2: was... Moore touchdown catch That's from Russell Wilson. Not really making
1: anybody happy. So it is 7 0 Seattle. 11 minutes to go in the second quarter of that one. Philadelphia 3 6 1. So, of course, if they win, they'll be in first place in the NFC East. Seattle trying to hold on to first place in the NFC West. If Seattle loses that game, which. Philadelphia just cannot score points anymore. But if Seattle does lose, they're only a game ahead of the Cardinals still. I mean, the, the, the NFC West, in a weird way, still very good. But um, you'd have all the teams bunched up, separated by just two games. With San Francisco probably exceeding a lot of people's expectations given all the injuries they have. And uh, the Rams kind of coming back to earth. Cardinals coming back to earth and potentially Seattle if they lose tonight. But that's, I would not pick the Eagles in this game. I don't know many people that would.
2: Something else that just came down during the reload. Multiple reports uh, are or uh, multiple Twitter accounts, Sun Devil Source and uh, the Devil's Digest and all the ASU platforms that cover Sun Devil football. ASU defensive backs... Jack Jones and Ashari Crosswell have been suspended indefinitely for a team conduct issue. So it doesn't look like they're going to play
1: if ASU plays Great. against UCLA. Wasn't the whole team essentially just suspended inadvertently for three Woo-hoo! weeks? And now that's uh, especially Jack Jones. That is a huge part of your secondary, and Ashari Crosswell would be the guy to step in for Jack Jones in some instances. So that's a potential problem. We'll monitor that situation going forward. All right, we come back, play a little fill-in-the-blank. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: All right, I I always forget this. That song means it's time for fill-in-the-blank. So, I've got four sentences here. Cody's got four sentences. One word or phrase is missing. And uh, the other person has to fill it in as quickly as possible. So, I'm going first. I choose not to defer. Which, by the way, how did you feel about that yesterday? The Cardinals, all this talk about how they have to score first, then they win the coin toss I thought the defer. Pa-
2: I thought the Patriots won the toss. Oh, did they? I- well... Working on the radio broadcast, the referee's mic kept cutting out, so yeah. we didn't
1: know who won the toss. Oh, I thought they had deferred. Well, either way. Well, either way, they, yeah. Either way, it worked and then didn't work at all. Uh, okay. I
2: didn't like it. The, but then I liked it because Cam Newton can't throw the ball. But then you hated it
1: because, well, he's yeah. the rest of the game. Yeah. All right. Question number one, Cody. The Cardinals' next win is coming on blank. Ooh. Well, I guess against you don't need to give me the exact date, but you have to give me the team. Um,
2: I don't know the schedule. I have it. Right okay, go ahead. Please give me the games.
1: Uh, okay. It's not going to reason... be
2: against the Rams. Well, That's not good because two of their next yes, five games yes, are I against know, the Rams. I know.
1: So they have the uh, Rams coming up, then the Giants, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Rams. I'm going to say the Eagles. Ugh, that's a while from now. Yeah. That's like five days before Christmas.
2: Yeah. No, I'll change it.
1: The Giants, because Daniel Jones is hurt. That is true. Daniel Jones is supposedly out for a little while, too. So that would be Colt McCoy, the Cardinals. Colt McCoy.
2: Better be able to beat Colt Texas McCoy. Texas legend Colt McCoy. Yes,
1: Texas legend. I'll, I'll go not with, NFL
2: legend. I'll go with the Giants. I had forgotten about
3: Daniel Jones.
1: If it was Daniel Jones, though, were you you pretty confident that we were in that game? Is
2: the thing you've is, been saying the whole time? The Giants are the best team in that division.
1: Which yes, I have. Doesn't mean anything, but yes. Well. Might be Washington now. I, I kind of think that too.
2: The, who, I kind of like them. The, I kind of like Washington. It's weird.
1: So, the quarterbacks right now in that division are Andy Dalton, Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, and Jalen Hurts. Who's the quarterback for Philadelphia right now? I don't now?
2: know. They've used both of them tonight, so okay. not sure. All right. All right. Uh, we had yet another big missed kick for Zane Gonzalez yesterday. It's getting to the point where whenever he goes out there to kick, uh, you don't really have any confidence in him. True. I ask you, the Cardinals will blank
1: Zane Gonzalez. Uh, Give a vote of confidence to. Are you just talking about this week? I mean, eventually he's going to be gone if he's not making kicks. Like that's just that that would apply to anybody. Mine would have been stick with. Okay, how long do you think they stick with him?
2: I don't know. I, I feel like he's got one or two of those missed kicks left before they have to move on. The thing is, he hasn't...
1: This is going to be the most unpopular sentence anybody said in the in the Valley today, so just hear me out. He hasn't been terrible percentage-wise this no, season. No, he's been okay. Yeah. It's the types of kicks that he's missing. But when you need him, he doesn't make the kick. Right. And how many good... Te- like How many truly, really, really good teams in the NFL keep losing games because of their kickers I can't find any that kick yesterday was perfect
2: it a perfect situation yeah. it was l- less than 50 yards the Patriots didn't have any time so they didn't ice him yeah you knew you knew the kick was going and everything yep. it was pretty much straight away with no fans to get in your head
1: yeah and he missed it. And, and he, it's maddening, too, because he doesn't miss them. Not like this would make it better, but it's not like it's not like Zane Gonzalez is making 50% of his kicks and the ones he misses, he looks like a college kicker. That kick missed by, like, two feet yesterday. Like, it was close. And his percentages aren't as terrible as you would think. But if you can't rely on your kicker in big moments, you're not going to do anything. And we're seeing that now because there's a couple games that he has let slip away. To be fair, and this goes back to the earlier point, if you got to manage the clock and, and you know run some plays there better at the end, even if he makes that kick, there's still time on the clock for New England. I'd much rather be in a position where if he's going out there and kicking, if he makes it, it's at least a win. But that doesn't absolve him of missing the kick. Okay. In light of what happened with the Broncos yesterday, the non-quarterback you'd most like to see play quarterback is blank. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. I, I get, You, want me, you want me to throw you? A, well, there's no way to prepare for yeah, a question like that. Right. I think my initial answer would be Derrick Henry. <laughs> Good luck tackling him. <laughs> um.
2: Well, I don't know. Like DK That's, Metcalf would be interesting, that would be too. I was thinking of saying DK Metcalf. Yeah, um, I'll go with DK Metcalf.
1: Joe Flacco, he's another <laughs> quarterback that would be interesting to watch play quarterback. Yeah, that was that was that's a tough question. Did you? I know you were here, but like, would you have watched any of that game? Because I watched like the first five minutes of the Broncos Saints game, and I was like, yeah, okay, the novelty is worn off. Is I ugly. would
2: have watched it if the NFL let the Broncos play their offensive uh, assistant coach or their quality <laughs> control coach or whatever they yeah. they they tried to get him to play because he knows the offense. Yeah. So I would have watched if that happened because I'm like, there's a coach playing quarterback right now. The
1: NFL like brought the hammer down on the Broncos yesterday. They
2: should have let the Broncos do that because more people probably would have tuned into that game.
1: Yeah. Or or let Elway play. Elway's been (laughs) tested, right? Let him play.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, We've had yet another change. Speaking of the NFC East atop that garbage pile of division. Now it's the Giants who are in first place with the Eagles playing right now. They're down 7-0 still, I believe. But like we said, Daniel Jones is hurt. He got injured on Sunday. So uh, when all is said and done, Blank will win the NFC East.
1: Without looking at all of their schedules and like knowing all the ins and outs of that, I really was going to pick the Giants, as I have numerous times on the show over the last month. But without their quarterback... You know the team it should be, and I know they're in last place. Is it? It should be Dallas. They should be able. I mean, it's going to take six wins to to win this division. They should be able to they pull that together. They still have the most talent. Yeah. out of any of those teams. It is unbelievable. I'm going to be so upset if Dallas backs into the playoffs after all this. Uh, I really want to say Washington. I do I don't know too. why. Maybe
2: it's the Alex Smith comeback story that's got me hooked on them. But
1: yeah, their schedule though. I do have their schedule. Steelers, 49ers, Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles. Oh, never mind. Um, (laughs) You know, though, if they beat the Eagles, it comes down to division wins. I'm going to say, wow, Eagles have Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, Cowboys, Washington. It's not going to be them either. It's not even going to be close
2: that the winner of that division will be under 500. Not even close. I, I might say Dallas.
1: I know they're 3-8, but I mean, if Andy Dalton's just not Wouldn't horrible. Wouldn't that just be
2: just like, you, really? Like, yeah. after all that's happened to them?
1: I do think the Giants are the after best After we team.
2: had to watch Ben
1: DiNucci play on Sunday Night Football. Uh, that should, that's a, like a playoff tiebreaker. If you've started yeah. Ben DiNucci this season. You know what? I'll just stick with the Giants. How good is Daniel <laughs> Jones anyway? I'm sticking with the Giants. Um, okay. In your mind, Cody, blank would be a successful season for ASU basketball this year. Played three games over the weekend, won two of them, lost to Villanova, and dropped seven spots in the top 25, which I thought was kind of harsh because Villanova's yeah, geez, number three the in the number-
2: Yeah, the heck. Um,
1: So you can give me a win total. You can give me a make the tournament, uh, how far uh, are you go in the tournament. I'd say at least win one
2: tournament game. Okay. Because I feel like they've gotten there, and then they always lose in that where, where do they play in Ohio again? Play, oh, Dayton. Uh, Dayton. They yeah. always lose there.
1: I think... If they uh, can get
2: past that first round,
1: then cool. Aside from the typical 2020 caveat of a successful season would be playing the whole season, Yeah, yeah. I would really feel better if they just made it out of the first weekend. Get to the Sweet 16, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's, that's Not the first weekend of the season. Right. First
4: week. <laughs> ASU football made it out the first weekend of the
1: season. ASU basketball like to make it past the first weekend of the tournament.
2: All right, uh, I'm sticking with football this basically this whole time. Good. Uh, The Lions finally fired Matt Patricia this weekend, Uh, and there are other seats you know around the NFL that that, you know the seats getting hot for a lot of these coaches. Vic Fangio in Denver, Adam Gase in New York. I don't know how he's still there. (laughs) Uh, Possibly Matt Nagy in Chicago. So of those four teams I just listed, the Lions, Broncos, Jets and Bears. Okay. Blank is the most attractive
1: job. Lions, Jets, Broncos, Bears? Yep. Are we assuming what is going to happen where the
2: Jets are going to have Trevor Lawrence? Well, they still have not won a game, so I'm sh- Yeah. Let's just assume <laughs>
1: that. Um, I don't think Denver or Chicago is terrible, like, on the defensive side of the ball. I guess Denver is probably the most attractive job because you do have a, a team there. Remember, they're playing this whole season without Von Miller too, and they were only they were four and six going into yesterday. So I would say Denver, but none of them really has like the Bears don't have a quarterback, the Jets don't have a quarterback yet, and the Lions yeah, have an aging uh, yeah, quarterback and nothing else. Yeah, I'll go with Denver. Uh, okay. The Suns jersey you would most likely wear this upcoming season is blank. Not like the not the version of the jersey but like a oh. player. Like okay, you oh. got to buy this player's jersey. This is the jersey you got to wear. I was going to
2: easily answer that with the Valley yeah, jersey cuz those
1: are sick. Which which player do you want to wear a jersey of?
2: Um, I would have t- Booker. Devin okay. Booker.
1: I did not know if you were going to go like all these new names, you might go with eQuan See, Moore. Uh- See, <laughs> but you're a see, purist.
2: See, I don't. I don't like going with jerseys for guys that I know that aren't. That might not be here for a long time. True. I've been burned by that before. I almost bought a Josh Rosen jersey, yeah. uh, so I know people that have. Uh, so that wasn't. That didn't end up very well. No, so would have been. But uh, bad. Yeah, Devin Booker's. Uh, th- unless the rumors are true that he wants out of Phoenix, <laughs> <laughs> I think the other one I would probably go with would be Chris Paul. I know that he's only under contract for two more years, but he's such a big name. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I had a Shaquille O'Neal son's jersey. Really? Yeah. Do you regret it? Or are no? Are you just it's like, him, like no, it was a big. Name I like. Here it's like
1: was. look here, he was here. Look. It's Shaq. I liked when Shaq was. I've told the story before. He was the, the most entertaining athlete I've ever covered. It was right when I first like started in radio. But I hope Chris Paul has a better son's career than Shaq did.
2: Yeah, I hope the results are better. Yeah. Um. My last one for you. Uh. Remember. <laughs> remember when we were all looking forward to Mike Tyson's comeback? I don't know if you saw any of that fight. It was a complete joke. Yeah. Uh, it was a no knockout exhibition against a. 51 year old roy jones jr who just didn't want to be there and just wanted to collect his paycheck it was so bad but also i don't know if you saw this but what was not a joke was nate robinson getting knocked out by jake paul oh my gosh so okay it would take blank dollars for you to get in the ring with current mike tyson for 90 seconds
1: See I didn't unfortunately I just saw the Jake Paul Nate Robinson I didn't really see enough of the Tyson thing to know like how did he look did he still look like
2: he looked like he was ready to go like but he couldn't he wasn't allowed to punch Roy Jones Jr in the head he wasn't allowed to punch me in the head it was a no
1: knockout exhibition so is he not allowed to punch me in the head if I get in the ring or is it no, no you're allowed fighting to Mike punch Tyson you in the head I don't know that there's an amount of money you could <laughs> give me I feel like I could I feel like I can defend myself against most people if I had not Mike Tyson. And honestly, Mike Tyson could be 75 and I still wouldn't want... Because he's just so unpredictable. And it's not like... It's not like if he clocked you five seconds in, he'd be like, Oh, hold on. This guy's not a boxer. I'll let up. Like, no, he would just go harder. He has 90 seconds. (laughs) I I don't want to end up like Zach Galifianakis in the uh, hangover. So there's not an amount of money. Let's put it this way. It would be at least... We're at least talking eight figures. I want like multiple millions of dollars. All right, that was fill in the blank. We'll come back and uh, check in on ASU. Hear what Herm Edwards has to say about the Sun Devils. They are supposed to have a game this Saturday coming up against UCLA. That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. All right, real quick, Monday night football update for you. How would you describe what the Eagles are doing on offense, Cody? Because it looks a lot like what the Broncos were doing on offense yesterday. But in fairness to the Broncos, I feel like they had an excuse. They were being put in an an unreasonable situation. It looks
2: like the Eagles are playing without a quarterback. But in fact, they have played two quarterbacks Ah. in this
1: game. It is 14-0 Seahawks, two minutes left in the first half. Russell Wilson has a touchdown pass to David Moore. And Chris Carson has a touchdown run. DK Metcalf has 118 receiving yards. The Eagles, (laughs) Jalen Hurts is one for one for six yards. Carson Wentz is five for 14 for 24 yards. This is weird, right? Like the Seahawks defense, I, I do fully believe as bad as it was earlier this season, Just adding that one pass rusher in Carlos Dunlap, I think, you know, it kind of awakens some of the other talent on that defense. Not like I think Seattle's defense is amazing, but I don't think it's terrible anymore. But, I mean, the Eagles can't even snap the ball to Carson Wentz. This guy was the number two pick in the draft a few years ago. Again, was an MVP candidate, does have a Super Bowl ring, and he didn't play in the Super Bowl because he was hurt, but he helped get them there. And now he can't complete a pass. It's the strangest thing. And the Eagles, I know they've had injuries this season, but they've got most of their receivers out. Didn't you say you saw Alshon Jeffrey? Yeah, he caught the one
2: pass from Jalen Hurts. Uh, I will say the Eagles, though, have a pretty terrible offensive line. True. It seems like Carson Wentz is always running for his life. And I.
1: we should also add right now, they are at Seattle's, what is that, like they're 12? So... Uh, maybe a chance here to uh, to cut the Seahawks' lead in half. But as it stands right now, 14-0 Seattle, about a minute 15 left in the second quarter. All right, we come back. We'll get back into the Arizona Cardinals. What exactly went wrong yesterday that is fixable? That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.
0: The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Final segment of the show. Uh, Philadelphia did just score, by the way, and then missed the extra point badly. But uh, I guess baby steps for the Eagles. It's fourteen to six, Seattle, late in the first half. Dallas Goddard, the touchdown catch from that was still Carson Wentz back there. They've brought in Jalen Hurts a couple times, but that was Carson Wentz. So fourteen to six, Philadelphia is on the board. Uh, Twelve seconds left in the first half against the Seahawks. Back to the Cardinals, and I played the clip earlier of Kyler Murray saying, look, I don't feel like I have to run for us to win games. Um, it it looks like that is the case. Not, I, I'm not saying they lost to the Patriots yesterday because Kyler Murray had five carries. I'm saying the bigger concern is that he only had five carries, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you off the top of my head, it, at the very least three, if not four, or maybe even all five were not designed. Like he just he had a chance to run and and kinda ran for a couple yards. He had one carry in the first half and it was not designed. He was essentially scrambling. Like this is one of your biggest weapons that you have as a team. So do do what you do best. If you're gonna go out there and lose a game because the Patriots bottled up Kyler Murray and he had twelve carries and you know he could only get forty five yards or whatever, okay, well so be it. I get that it's a fine line. I don't want to be running my quarterback on every play because unless that quarterback is, I don't even know. I mean, any, any quarterback's going to get hurt if you run him that much. So I get that you have to, you, it's got to be done in moderation, but what was wrong with what we saw the first nine games of the season when Kyler was absolutely a threat to run. And a lot of times he did. And that, that's the thing. When you get him rolling like that and he's picking up 60, 70, 80 yards in these games, He's dangerous even when he doesn't run because the other team has to account for him. And then all of a sudden the guy like Kenyon Drake becomes more of a weapon when he's got to pick up two yards. You know, if, if, if the other team knows that it's just going to be a handoff up the middle to Kenyon Drake, well then they're going to stop Kenyon Drake. How many times did we see that yesterday? But if it's like, Hey, wait a minute, Kyler Murray might just roll out to the uh, right here and take off for 27 yards. If you're not paying attention, well then somebody has got to be accounting for that. New England didn't have to account for that. It didn't feel like Seattle had to account for that after the injury uh, either. And so it's great that Kyler's still able to play. And I hear what he's saying in the sense of they should be able to win games if he's just back there passing like a normal quarterback. I get that. But every team is built differently. And the Cardinals are built to win with offense. They only allowed 20 points yesterday and didn't win. So something's up with the offense. It's not hard to look at this team and watch them play and figure out what's up with the offense. You got a guy here. This is Kyler Murray's last six games, okay? These are just his rushing numbers. So we'll go six games ago. We'll we'll go starting against Dallas. 10 carries, 74 yards, touchdown. First meeting with the Seahawks. 14 carries, 67 yards, touchdown. Dolphins game. 11 carries, 106 yards, touchdown. Bills game, 11 for 61, two touchdowns. This is just Kylie Murray on the ground. Then you have the last two games. Five carries, 15 yards. Five carries, 31 yards. You're going to tell me something didn't change? I, I hope it's not an injury thing. If it's an injury, it's 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 at least more understandable why the Cardinals aren't running with him. That, that's why this is kind of complicated. If it's because of the injury... To his shoulder that he suffered against the Seahawks, then I understand why the Cardinals are doing it. But that's more concerning because that means it's going to keep happening. If it's not an injury, if they're just if they've decided like no, now we're going to try and win. We shouldn't have to run with our quarterback. You're not winning these games. He had a rushing touchdown in eight of the first nine games and multiple rushing touchdowns in two of those. Last two games, he he's not even an option near the goal line. And, and, I mean, you know from watching, there was a lot of those rushing touchdowns the first uh, nine games of the season where it was like the play would start at the 18-yard line and he would just take off and run. 18 yards is as easily attainable for him running as one yard is. But now they've just, it seems like they have gone away from it. And I know that the other team gets paid To make plays as well. So I'm sure Seattle and especially New England paid some extra attention to making sure Kyler Murray wasn't able to run on them. But the the three games where he doesn't have a rushing touchdown this season, the Cardinals are 0-3. And it shows. It it doesn't feel like a coincidence. Because when their running game is we're just going to hand off to Kenyon Drake, it's too predictable. And Kenyon Drake, like I said earlier, he's not Derrick Henry. He's not Nick Chubb. He is a a decent running back, but what makes the Cardinals special is the fact that they have a quarterback that can not only throw, but can run like the best running backs in the NFL. And if he's not doing the second thing, then he's just, you know, an okay quarterback. And maybe he gets to a point where he's like a decent quarterback, but you're taking away. It's like telling, it's like telling Shaq in his prime. Yeah. Uh, don't dunk, though. Okay? Just do your other stuff. You're you're good enough. You should be able to do it without dunking. Okay. <laughs> then, then what's the point? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was asked, you know, are teams figuring out ways to stop the run-pass option with Kyler
4: Murray? I'm not sure if figure out is the right word. Um, they they obviously had a good plan and wanted uh, to try and, you know, contain him um, in the, the running game, and when that uh, happens we got to be more productive um, with the backs and, and getting yards uh, that way and I thought at times we were but just not consistent enough in that that run game
1: this is a big moment for this team uh, two of their final five games are against the Rams the team they're 0 and six against in their last six meetings they haven't beat them since the 2016 season week 17 so it was technically January 1st of 2017 but it was week 17 of the 2016 season they and most of those games they've gotten hammered by the Rams and You know, one season was Bruce Arians, one season was Steve Wilkes, one season was Cliff Kingsbury. So I understand a lot has changed with the Cardinals, because, you know, one season was what, Carson Palmer, Josh Rosen, and Kyler Murray. But what hasn't changed is the Rams. It's Sean McVay all three years. He has figured something out. And if the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, probably need to win three of these last five games. So if you're not going to beat the Rams, you got to win all three of the other ones. I'm going to just say right now, they're going to have to beat the Rams one of these games to get in. And you're going to need Kyler Murray at his best to be able to do it. That There's, there's just no way around it. Uh, more from Cliff Kingsbury. If Kyler has to be one-dimensional, what does that do to the offense?
4: I don't think it, it has a negative effect. I think... Um when we have to be great at the precision passing game, it's just about us being more consistent in doing that. Um, you know, being on time with the ball and having the right depths of the routes. And, and I, I think it just, you got to have more of a sense of urgency there um, when when teams are, are going to make us throw it. and When we get in situations that we have to throw it.
1: We're going to learn a lot about Cliff Kingsbury. And I know it's easy right now. Everybody just wants to pile on. He's always a terrible coach. Well, I mean, I think it's probably still too early to know that. But what he is supposed to be good at is offense, right? You've got the, I would say, most dynamic weapon other than Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position right now in the NFL because he's multidimensional. There are other quarterbacks that can run, but they can't throw like Kyler Murray. There's other quarterbacks that can throw. You know, Aaron Rodgers is pretty good, but he can't run like Kyler Murray. So outside of Patrick Mahomes, I think you have maybe the most dynamic weapon in the league at his position at your disposal. So if he's hurt, I get there's not a whole lot you can do, although they got to be able to do more than he's done in the last couple games. But if he's not hurt, you absolutely, as Cliff Kingsbury, need to be able to, to, to re-unlock Kyler Murray. If if I'm to believe that Seattle and the Patriots figured out a way to slow down the running game, then it's on Kingsbury and the Cardinals to open it back up. You're going to need that if you want to do what I think we all still believe this team can do this season. You need your quarterback doing everything he's capable of doing. That's what makes you special. All right, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks to you for listening to The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.